Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today, Catherine Ely is back, and we're talking all about building upon our episode from before together called Imperfect Thriving, where we talked about self-limiting beliefs and how to overcome perfectionism, getting into more of step five steps that we can use to overcome that pick-me mentality, where it's more of we want somebody else to choose us instead of us choosing them. And piggybacking off of that vibe, I'm reading this really good book right now called Make Your Move, The Science of Dating and Why Women Are in Charge. It's by John Berger. He also wrote Dateonomics. And anyways, I posted on Instagram a couple weeks ago and tagged him in the picture. And long story short, he's coming on the podcast and we're going to do a whole episode on his book, which I'm super excited about. But if you guys want to get a head start, I would highly recommend his book. My friend Tiffany told me about it. She had actually texted me about it. It just talks about how single women who are college educated are having a tougher time and facing really similar issues in the dating world and how we can really take back the reins and start making empowered choices and going up to people on our own. And that's my bread and butter of how I have been trying to operate, at least in the pre-pandemic world, where we're kind of self-selecting people instead of passively taking whatever comes our way, being more in like the driver's seat on choosing who we think are good partners for ourselves. So super excited for that. And just want to give a little teaser for that episode because I'm really looking forward to it. That was my main update I was going to share. And I hope you guys enjoy my conversation that I had with Catherine. Catherine, thank you so much for coming back. Your last episode really resonated with so many people. And I just was like, we have to have you back on because you really gave a lot of people a lot of tangible and helpful things last time. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah. And I know today we're going to kind of focus on the five steps we can change from the pick me kind of mentality that I know that I fall into a lot of times uh, to kind of getting more of the relationships that we want. But before we head in that direction, I wanted to kind of just first talk about, well, a couple of things. But for me, I have a tendency where I will try to impress somebody to my own detriment. And then I forget, oh, do I even like them? And would I even be friends with somebody like that? Is that something that you see in a lot of your clients? I used to see it in myself a long time ago because I'm, you know, I'm like almost 52. And so many women come into my counseling practice unsure of why they are always giving, giving, giving in their relationships, but never receiving what they want in return. And I call that the pick me syndrome. If you are filled with thoughts of inadequacy or not enough, you're going to continuously be trying to prove that you are enough for that other person by doing anything and everything you think they want you to do, right? And by being who you think the other person wants you to be, you're playing defense. And to avoid being alone, we determine we must get these other people to like us. So you're not at all alone in that. Yeah, I also have to piggyback off of that, like with the perfectionism lens that we talked about last time, and I'm sure my listeners can relate. I always want everything to be neat and perfect. And 
I want everything to go super smoothly on my date so I can anticipate everything three steps ahead. For instance, it's really cold in San Francisco. It gets really dark really early. And I was trying to think of all the different edgewear layers. And then I didn't want to spill red wine on myself. And it's dark and I trip. And literally on the date, all the things happened where I tripped in the dark, spilled red wine on myself. And I was like, and it's fine. Like that's, it's kind of funny and humanizing. Yeah, absolutely. Like being in your head and trying to always be two or three steps ahead of yourself. We do this all the time. We're living in the future instead of the moment. So the things that we are afraid of happening, all of those what ifs are much more likely to happen because we are not honed in on exactly what's going on around us and exactly what we're doing in the moment. So true. We are going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, GiftPod. Emotions are way more intensified since we don't have all those pre-pandemic life distractions. This year has taught me a lot about resilience and perspective. And the ups and downs of dating during a pandemic are, um, yeah, there are a lot. What's helped me to get through are the unsung bays, my friendships. Through GiftPod, I'm able to record a message to my closest bays and let them know I'm thinking about them and all the fun things we'll do together post-quarantine. The team at GiftPod will spruce it up with music and give it to them as a private podcast. It's a great gift to send to your friends as a pick-me-up and an extra boost to brighten their days during this kind of turbulent time. GiftPod is offering listeners 10% off with the code 104BAY. That's the number 10, S-O-R-B-A-E. You can check them out at giveagiftpod.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, should we, should we get into the five steps? Yeah, absolutely. The five steps. So the first step would be increase your self-value. Without this first step, all of the other steps mean nothing. You have to believe that you are enough, you are worthy of the life that you want and the relationships you want. You get to be the one who chooses. Instead of falling victim to the pick me syndrome, the first step is to shift from thinking, I want everyone to pick me to who do I want? I get to choose who I want. So to get into that mentality, say if a listener is not in a place of high self-value, what can he or she do to begin to increase self-value so that he or she can then believe that they get the opportunity to choose. They are worthy of having what they want. So we're usually focused or fixated on the things that we need to fix about ourselves, right? Our shortcomings. And when we stay fixated on our shortcomings, we completely forget about the wonderful things about us. What makes us unique and wonderfully me or wonderfully you? And it's those unique qualities and the combination of these qualities that come together that make you absolutely special, unlike anyone else. And in a world of social media, it's so easy to think that we don't have as much to offer as the next person because, of course, we only see the best parts of these other people, right? So as we focus on the best part of others, we tend to focus on the worst parts of ourselves. 
So if you are struggling with self-value, with low self-value, low self-esteem, spend some time focusing on what is right and wonderfully unique about you. You might have to take a step back and say, okay, yeah, what is good about me that I've been leaving out? And if you can't think of whatever it is, that tells you how badly you need this exercise. So go beyond yourself, pull your family, pull your friends, ask them, what do you like about me? What is more me about me than anyone else you know? What is my best quality? And decide each day to focus on what is right and unique about you so that your self-value and self-esteem rises to the level, to the place where you know you deserve what you want in life. Oh, I got I to gotta work on that one. That's step one. That is step one, right? If we are not in that self-valuing frame of mind, we don't even allow ourselves to figure out what we want. So that is step one. Step two is we want to assess all eight domains of our life. Now, a lot of my counseling practice is based on getting to the bottom of what we want in our eight domains. Our eight domains are the eight major areas of our lives. And we want to figure out how important each of these areas is to us and how satisfied we are in each before we dive into the next relationship. Having an understanding of the other seven areas besides intimate love relationship, how important they are to you, how satisfied or unsatisfied you are in each of them can help you find balance in your life. And without this balance, it's easy to become obsessed with being chosen by another person. So I have a free like blueprint to thrive quick start on my website that you can go get and print out to actually do this assessment. So it's a really good way to figure out what areas of my life are most important to me and in which ones am I satisfied and which ones am I not so that you can really find the balance within yourself before you go seek another person. Yeah. And just piggybacking off of that, I have noticed that in terms of the different domains, that if one of the other ones is off, that will start bleeding into the other domains. Like they're not just, as soon as you have one, you can just check it off. Like they, they really can impact each other, which is why we have to be so careful on not getting into the pick me mentality, like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. You know, it's a part of my weekly mindfulness routine to do a domain check-in because they're ever-changing and our priorities change, right? Right now, you might be, someone might be prioritizing intimate love relationship, but later it might be parenting or it might be friends and community. So it's a very fluid thing that we need to check in with with ourselves on a regular basis to keep to keep balance and to keep ourselves satisfied completely in life. Totally. Definitely agree. So that's the second step. The third step then is to really take each individual domain, now that you know how important they are and whether or not you're satisfied, to take each particular domain and figure out what is it that I value here? What is important to me? Finding that clarity about what is important will put you in a position to not compromise it when that other person comes along if he or she doesn't share in your views. 
So this is part of the underlying sort of work that we want to do on the front end so that we know what's not negotiable that we're not going to compromise on. Yeah. And it just reminds me, like, for instance, I will fall into the trap of, I will just like somebody. And that's the reason that I will justify (laughs) all other red flags. Just because I like somebody doesn't mean that they're actually, like, if they're not reciprocating, but I just really like them, that's not a good indicator of my values and then aligning with them with my beliefs, you know? Yeah, exactly. And just because someone desires us does not mean that they value us. So we can have all of those feelings for each other, but still not be something that we want to even semi-permanently invest in, right? Yeah, and that's the trickiest part, I feel, is that it's not just, oh, it's black and white, like, oh, it was so clear to me, so I'm just going to walk away. It's always so much more ambiguous. Yeah, of course it is. And that is why the clearer we can become about what is important to us outside of this person, the clearer the decision-making process will be with this person. Yeah, I really like that. And it's a very methodical approach to looking at it. Absolutely. Versus the the feelings-oriented. Yeah, it is. And if you can do it before the feelings are there, it's much easier, right? Before you have that person in the picture that you're drawn to, but you might not really match up with, it's so much easier if you do all of this assessment and know where you stand first. Then you can be a little bit more methodical in the relationship from the very beginning and not get too far gone with someone who may not be your best match. Oh, so true. (laughs) I need everyone to fill out this blueprint before they go out with me from now on. <laughs> send it out to everybody. Yeah, you can make it a prerequisite yeah. email yeah. and attachment. Yeah, I'm sure that would go yeah. over really well. We can well. do a tw- like a quick 20-minute FaceTime where we go through the priorities. and Absolutely. A little quick interview. Yeah, just real fun. <laughs> For sure. But now that you know, you've increased your self-value, you know which domains are most important, you know what your values are in your domains, Now, step four is focusing in on that intimate love relationship domain. What do you value here? What do you want? And let's not limit ourselves from the very beginning on what we think is reasonable or rational or what happens in the real world. Let's get really crazy with it and really think about what we want. Like, what would the ultimate relationship be? Do you value respect, trust, kindness? physical attraction, common goals, common beliefs. What is it that you want ultimately in a relationship with another human being? What is important to you? Try not to get caught up in the shoulds that society tells us or that your friends might tell you or that your church might tell you that are the important things. Really dig down beneath those layers to what is important to you. And when you have that list, These are now your non-negotiables, right? Because if you don't know what you want in your relationship and out of the other person in it, you will always settle for less than what you want and what you deserve. You will continually strive for someone to pick you instead of being choosy and picking what you want. I mean, when you were saying about the social media trap, how can we not fall into the comparison trap game 
I have this list of my non-negotiables. And then at the same time, we're kind of always being bombarded with seeing everybody's perfect perception lenses. Balancing that I find is always tricky where it's, I have my list of things and I'm doing the best I can. And then at the same time, I'm constantly reminded about the comparison trap and seeing everybody else's like perfect worlds. And then it's kind of that cycle. I feel like I sometimes at least fall into. Yeah, absolutely. And you're definitely not alone there. I think the first thing is recognizing that we are only seeing what they want us to see. And everything does not come easy for anyone. Everybody has their hidden struggles, some more than others. But I think first, just really recognizing that all of us are doing the best we can. And even the people that are putting out and projecting that their life is perfect, it is not. Second of all, it is focusing in on what your you-ness is. Like, what is it that makes you you? That there is no other DNA combination that's exactly like yours. There's no one else that offers exactly what you offer. And really embracing that. And part of that, I think, is taking what we see as our flaws and realizing that, no, they're a part of the entire unique package that makes us who we are. And really showering yourself with a little bit of self-compassion along the way. A few sprinkles of self-compassion never hurt. That just reminded me, one of my friends, he, he said to me, like, your lowest self is your highest self. And that kind of reminded me about how you were saying that you can reframe your flaws. They're really the best part of you. Yeah, absolutely. Think about who we're attracted to in this world. And I don't even mean like just sexually attracted, but who do we want to be around in this world? We want to be around people who have that look like they know something that we don't know. They are so 100% completely comfortable with themselves. They may not be the best looking person in the world. They may not be the smartest person in the world, but they are going to be the most attractive, right? They're going to be like a magnet for other people because that's what we want most of all is to be happy with ourselves because we can get off of that treadmill when we're happy with ourselves. So if we can remember that that sort of level of security and confidence in ourselves is the most attractive thing on this earth. It will draw to us yeah. who is meant to be with us. So comforting. <laughs> well, I mean, I believe it. I mean, I'm, you know, I really believe that it's true. No, I, I do as well. I really, hearing it out loud, I have affirmations written in my journal, but like hearing somebody else say it's like always like a nice, refreshing perspective. Absolutely. Now that we know what's important to us, we know what we value. We know what we want in a relationship, an intimate love relationship with another human. Step five is to create the boundaries that protect us and our non-negotiables. This is often left out of the picture, especially if we don't have high enough self-esteem. We set our rules, but then we let people walk all over them. We set our boundaries and then we let people just completely disregard them. So we need to know what our non-negotiables are and what we're going to do to protect them. So you have to be prepared ahead of time. What are you going to do if someone shows you a lack of respect the very first time? What are you going to do? Are you going to let it slide? 
Are you going to look the other way and make excuses for that person? Are you going to confront that person? Do they get one freebie and the next time you're going to confront them? It's yours to decide, but you have to decide ahead of time before it ever happens, or it will be so easy to look the other way and not enforce what is important for you. And especially with, I'm looking at it from the lens of like our episode about perfectionism, I will tend to procrastinate. So I will just procrastinate those kinds of conversations. And it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't work because I think they can pick up on the fact that I'm uncomfortable. It just ends up being uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as women in general, I've seen this a lot in my practice. We have to remind ourselves that we get to choose. We're taught from such early ages what a woman should be, right? A woman should be quiet, graceful, accept what she is given, be thankful for what she's giving. No, not anymore. Women get to choose what we want, but we're still not taught that. We are not taught that we get to do that. We have to learn and reinforce with ourselves all the time that we do get to choose. This just reminded me of this book. Have you read Rebecca Tracer's book called Good and Mad? No, but it sounds like I need to. Yeah, so it's that just reminded me of it. It's called The Good and Mad, The Revolutionary Power of Women's Anger. And she talks all about that, how women in the old timey times can't really show any emotions. Even today, women showing anger, it's still really difficult for women, especially in power, especially women of color in politics. She goes into just how anger is just this emotion that's not, we're not there yet. We still have to evolve in why we can't see women be angry. Yes, we really hamstring each other, actually, when it comes to the emotions that we are allowed to have. Women aren't allowed to be aggressive or angry. Men aren't allowed to feel sad and vulnerable. And neither of those helps either sex interact with the other and interact with the world. But I agree. We are completely taught that. You hear it all the time, right? If a woman is angry or aggressive, she's a bitch. But what is a man if he's angry and aggressive? Strong, powerful. Yeah, strong, powerful. All these positive sort of adjectives go with men who are able to show that emotion. And it it is different, but it's slowly, it's not happening quickly enough. It's okay to just choose for yourself. Feel what you feel. Think about what you want and make the choices that fall in line with what you want. Yeah, we all can do our part speaking up for ourselves and what what we need and what we want because men are whoever you're interested in, like they're not mind readers. So the more we can vocalize what we want, then it'll be helping everybody down the road. Even if it doesn't work out with that specific person, they'll start like learning. Yeah, exactly. So what So what do you think would happen? Say well, you've been out with this person a couple of times and each time he or she is significantly late. But when they show up, you have a good time. How you behave in response to that date's behavior is going to help determine his or her behavior in the future. If you say nothing and continue to wait patiently because you want this person to like you, then he or she will continue to not show up on time. However, if you value yourself and if respect is a value that you have in this domain, you might say, 
So far, I like you, but my time is as valuable as yours. If you're late next time, you won't find me waiting here for you. You will quickly find out if that person respects you based on his or her actions. That person will show up on time if the respect is there, won't show up on time if the respect isn't there. And either way, you're going to know what you need to know moving forward. Yeah. And that just reminds me too. It's like if I had a friend who was always late every single time and then I would say something like, hey, like notice you're always late, like something going on, want to just move the times, figure out kind of what's going to troubleshoot it. And then that's the same way it should be treated for dating, where if you're not going to tolerate that behavior with a friend, like you definitely don't want to tolerate that with somebody who's going to be a, like a romantic partner with you. Yeah. And another thing I see happen so much with my clients is, and I've seen this in my daughter's friends, I have a daughter who's 20, and I've just seen this in general, is so many women who say, I don't have a lot of girlfriends. You know, I really like to hang out with guys. I'm really low maintenance. Do you have anybody that likes to, to say that? Yeah, I've heard people say this. When you do that, you're promoting yourself to, to guys that you want to date or people that you want to date. What sort of message does that send? That basically tells the other person, I'll take whatever you give me. I'll take whatever's left over. Yeah, I'm low maintenance. I'm not going to cause a fuss ever. Yeah. What do you think happens as that relationship moves forward? Do you think there's any way that you can be vocal and completely satisfied in that relationship? Yeah, I feel like they're going to walk over you if you do, if you start with that mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it happens quite often. Yeah, they're probably trying to mask it as I'm not the high maintenance girl who take to fancy dinner because I feel like that's that can kind of be one impression it's they're probably trying but they're kind of overcompensating to be like I'm a cool girl who's chill and likes beer or something but it can send the wrong message you're not showing that you value yourself which I think is the key difference yeah and you know why is it that we feel like we have to say that we're low maintenance to get people interested in us why can't we just be whatever it is we are and let that unfold and once again, choose what we want and go after it rather than have to sort of pave the way, pick me, pick me, I'm not going to be any trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also making yourself so much smaller to try to kind of fit into whatever you think that person would like more, which anecdotally, that doesn't ever work. (laughs) It doesn't. It just, it lets that person know, look, you can go be with your friends. You can go do what you're going to do. And I'll be here waiting for whatever's left over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically the, the sort of road that you're paving there. But did we finish the list? I think we did. Yes. We have all five steps. Okay. So once we finish the five steps, then we go out in the world, live our full-fledged lives. <laughs> Absolutely. You go out with the confidence that you know who you are and you know what you want. And that is... That's more than a lot of other people will have. Being clear on exactly what it is you want is so necessary to actually getting it. The reason we don't get what we want half the time is because we don't spend enough time thinking about what that is. Yeah, it's like we don't like put enough thought into like putting a roadmap together. Just start arbitrarily going. Yeah, because we want people to pick us, right? Hmm. I like that. We want people to pick us. And if we're too strong in our opinions and too strong in our wants and our needs, 
it's difficult to go back to that place of pick me. That's so interesting. I used to do the same thing where it's like I would kind of pick and choose what I would share with people based on what I thought they would, like if it would land well or not. And then now I definitely changed my approach where I'm just like, I'm just going to put it all out there and then whoever can handle it, more power to them. And if not, we'll find somebody else. Yeah. And when that happens, you have authentic connections, right? It's not this fake connection built on built on the only parts of ourselves that we're willing to show because we think they're not going to offend anyone. That's so, yeah. It's a little song and dance. We're all, we're all getting there slowly, but surely. Yeah, absolutely. I have a couple questions. They're kind of random that I've been wanting to ask you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I really liked, you had this, I forget which podcast you talked about this, but I, it really resonated how we have an initial feeling and then that feeling might be a little bit uncomfortable, but then it's really all of the chastising and beating ourselves up about feeling that feeling that actually is the feeling that magnifies everything. Can you kind of talk more about that? Because I thought it was really interesting and it hit home. Yeah. So it's something that us perfectionists do a lot is that we have a feeling. It might be, oh, poor me, you know, this pandemic sucks. I'm not getting to do anything that I want to do. And then your critical self might jump in and say, well, I mean, you don't have it so bad. What are you complaining about? You know, this other person over here has suffered a lot more than you. You shouldn't feel the way that you do. And it's that judgment and self-criticism about how you feel that greatly exacerbates the amount of misery and discomfort that you feel. It's not the initial feeling of woe is me that you had. It's the critical self-judgment that you heap upon yourself that makes you so miserable because you're basically telling yourself that you're wrong and you're a bad person for feeling how you feel. And you can't really help how you initially feel. You can help whether you sit in it. You can help a lot of things down the road, but you can't help how you initially feel just like you can't stop the initial thought that pops into your head. Yeah. And I imagine just letting that thought sit there or the feeling, then it will actually be less of an issue because then you're just kind of letting it be there instead of judging it, beating it up. Exactly right. If you can imagine it, if you can imagine yourself sitting on a beach, watching the waves come in and out, they're not getting to you. They're farther away, but you're watching them come up in a crest and crash and then go back out to sea. If we can look at our emotions and thoughts like waves on the ocean, they come and they go. Some waves are more uncomfortable than others. Some waves might knock us down for a second, but they're always going to go back out to sea. Then there's nothing that is unacceptable to feel, and there's nothing that we think we can't handle because it's not permanent. So calming to a beach. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's, I go there sometimes. It's my happy place. I'll be like, just close my eyes and look at what's going on and watch it just go out and come back and go out. So I'm a strong believer in put the work in, get the work. You'll see a results, you know, same with working out or any kind of hobby. Like eventually you're going to start seeing changes. And I really liked when you were talking about steps that you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed, because I think dating can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. It can be pretty daunting if you only have the end goal in mind, but aren't kind of able to like get started. So I was wondering if you could talk about the steps that you identified about feeling overwhelmed, because I think those would really 
translate nicely into people in their dating lives. I hope I can remember them. And if I don't remember them, just just remind me. So I think one thing that perfectionists do especially is we look toward the result. Everything is about the result and what we want in the end. And when we do that, we only enjoy our lives about 5 to 10% of the time. Whereas if we live the process and stay in the present, we can enjoy more like 90% of our lives. So an example of this, instead of putting pressure on yourself when you go out on this next date to know by the end of the date whether or not this is going to be the person, right? Is this going to be the one? And this is your first date or whatever. What if you had in your mind instead just what you want to get out of the evening? What do you want to focus on? Do you want to really enjoy your food? Do you want to enjoy the surprise of getting to know another person without putting pressure on the result of this being the one? It can be interesting even if you don't see a future with this person, if you just allow it to be. If you can just allow yourself to enjoy whatever the moment is and live your values in that moment, who you want to be, what you want to do in that moment, and let go of the result you can actually enjoy your time regardless of what happens at the end of the date or whether or not this is someone that you want to go out with again. Yeah, it's like detaching yourself from the outcome and just being in that moment and not even wondering if there's going to be a second date. Just that is the only thing that matters right now. Yeah, living the process and being the person that you want to be in the moment, right? Not being off in your head, thinking, does this person like me? What should I do next? What is my next move? Just being who you are out of your head and into the moment. And even if it's not the best date you've ever had, there is going to be a fun story or there's going to be something that you can make, get out of it that was worthwhile. Yeah. Or maybe the person will even introduce you to somebody else. There you go. You never know. And when we let, possibilities are yeah, when we let go of controlling the outcomes, One thing I've really noticed in my life, when I quit trying to control the outcome of everything, I got to experience all of these happy surprises in life that I was not even noticing before because I was wanting one specific outcome in each particular situation. Not only is that exhausting, you miss what's happening along the way. Just letting that marinate in my brain. (laughs) It's such a good point because, yeah, if they're so narrow just, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes it really is okay not down, to have a plan. You're going to miss so I'm much plan of planning, all around but you. Sometimes it's really okay to just not have a plan and see what happens. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being here. I know we're a little bit over time, but I really appreciate you coming back and sharing all of your wisdom. And we definitely would love to have you back again. Oh, I enjoyed it so much. I had so much fun. I'll always come back. Thank you. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I want to thank Catherine again for joining me. Something I forgot to mention earlier in the episode was something I've been doing since Bailey's episode about manifestations is I've been doing a little gratitude post-it note every day. So instead of doing the gratitude journaling, which just for some reason to me sounds like too much of an investment, I do a little post-it note where every day I write down a couple things on the post-it note about things that I'm thankful for. And then I just throw away the post-it note, kind of like allows me to be in that moment and in that day. And then I do the whole thing over again. 
And so it might just be a good modification if you guys want to try that out. It helps me a lot stay present in my in that moment more instead of always looking to the future. My brain has a tendency to do that sometimes. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed Catherine, all of her gems that she shared with us. And I want to thank Studio Pod for producing my podcast. And I'll see you guys next Wednesday. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dating in the Bay. You can send me any questions and I can answer them here or any topics or guests that you have that you would like me to chat with. I'll see you guys next week. See ya.